Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Canadians have been hit by ever-rising costs, whether it's housing or gas prices or even food. But what happens when government policy is helping drive some of those increases? I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10.3. National Post columnist Jesse Klein joins me to discuss how supply management in the dairy industry is affecting consumers, how it ties into inflation, and whether the federal government is planning on making any changes. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Jesse, inflation and affordability have been top of mind for a lot of Canadians for quite a few months now. And Canada's finance minister even stirred up her own little bit of controversy with what I think a lot of people felt was some tone-deaf advice on how to manage household finances. But for those who aren't clear of the state of things, where are we sitting when it comes to inflation in Canada? So inflation has been pretty high since about the beginning of 2021. Um, The Bank of Canada traditionally targets about 2% inflation rate. It it was up to a peak of 8.1% in June of this year. And the latest data from September was uh, had it at 6.9%. So that means, you know, uh, the goods now cost Canadians about 7% more than they did a year ago. And, you know, inflation has been you know, steadily high for quite a while. So they, they keep going up. And when it comes to the federal government, obviously, you know, Justin Trudeau and, and the liberal government have never shied away from, from trying to insert the government into solutions to some of these issues. What have the feds proposed to help deal with inflation and affordability? Yeah, I think they they clearly know that inflation is top of mind for a lot of Canadians. We can see the prices increase every time we go to the supermarket, every time we fill up our cars. Um, So Christopher Freeland really made uh, the cost of living a central point in her latest mini budget. And most of the solutions uh, are welfare programs, either new ones that the government has instituted or old ones that they're they're now trying to sell as helping reduce the cost of living. So, you know, a few examples, I think the big ones are the Canada Dental Benefit, which of course was uh, proposed by the NDP and uh, required in order to keep the NDP support in Parliament. There's a doubling of the GST tax credit over the next six months, which will cost taxpayers about $2.5 billion. There's advanced payments for the Canada's worker benefit workers' benefit, um, as well as a multi-generational home renovation tax credit and interest-free student and apprenticeship loans, um, which the government is is all touting as, as ways to help, help manage the cost of living. That's all well and good, but for many, when it comes to increasing costs, one of the biggest drivers of inflation in Canada is the cost of food. People notice when they go to the grocery store, there are many staples that they've seen big spikes in. Like how much has food outstripped the rate of inflation? Yeah, so inflation is basically calculated by taking a bundle of goods and looking at how much the prices of those goods either increase or decrease over the course of a year. And, uh, you know, as I said, inflation is running at about 7%, but food has been outstripping all the other goods in that bundle for 10 months now. So the price of food, Groceries at stores has increased uh, over 11% in the past year. 
um, which is the fastest pace since 1981. Um, and as a few examples, uh, meat now costs almost 8% more than it did a year ago. Dairy products are up about 10%. Uh, baked goods about 15%. Fresh vegetables almost 12%. Um, so this is a is a big driver of inflation. And, and as I said, it's one that Canadians see you know, every week when they grow, go to the grocery stores or they go to a restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about some of those items that you just mentioned, you know, there, there are input costs, there are, you know, supply chain costs that can affect the, you know, the price that we ultimately pay at the grocery store. You mentioned baked goods and I can, I can see years where, you know, the yield of, of wheat to make flour, to make all sorts of baked goods may not be as big. You may see prices go up that can impact the price that we pay at the grocery store. But, but in some areas we also see policy having an impact specifically dairy and and things like eggs we're you know we're talking about i guess a combination of policy and the cost of production like what is driving up the cost of of dairy um so it's it's both it's a it's partially the cost cost of production dairy farms and and poultry farmers um they face the same higher input costs as uh, other industries are facing at the moment but it's also policy as you mentioned and uh, so dairy prices are set by the Canadian Dairy Commission, and they've already increased the price of wholesale milk by about 11% so far this year, and they're looking for another increase in February. Um, so that that increases the cost of all dairy products because that'll be used to, uh, for milk, for butter, cheese, everything else. Now, the big difference is how these prices are set is fairly opaque. Um, you know, the Dairy Commission will ask dairy farmers um, what they think and, and, and they'll recommend a price hike and we'll all have to pay it. Whereas in other industries, there's going to be a combination. They're, they're going to be able to raise prices to a certain extent, um, but there's also more competition, both domestically and from foreign competitors. So they'll have an incentive to innovate and find ways to lower their costs, which are Canadian dairy industry does not have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how much are we talking about here? Like, what does supply management cost the average household every year? So there's been a number of studies that have tried to estimate the cost to to Canadian households. Um, there were quite a few about 10 years ago, not so many recently, but there was a 2014 study out of the University of Manitoba. And adjusting for inflation, uh, they found that for lower income households, it would cost about $411 a year. And for higher income house households, about $672 a year is how much supply management adds to their grocery bills over the cost course of a year. Now, as you can imagine, for it hurts lower income families a lot more because that that $411 represents over 2% of their income. Um, and for Canadians that are struggling to put food on the table every day, um, the price increase is, is considerable. We'll be right back. So if this has helped driving up the cost of food and the federal government says that they want to make life more affordable for Canadians and want to help, you know, all families. Why is the government not doing anything about this particular issue? Unfortunately, it's it's all political. The dairy and port, poultry farmers have large lobbying efforts um, that have been going on for decades. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs will be wearing a milk logo on their 
jerseys or are wearing it this season. Um, and that's all sponsored sponsored by the dairy cartel. Now, of course, Canadians don't have much of a choice. When we go to the store, most of the milk products we see on store shelves are made in Canada. So if we're going to buy milk, that's who we're buying it from. But those efforts are really designed to protect the cartel's monopoly on, on, on the industry. And those farmers are predominantly also in Ontario and Quebec, which, of course, are vote rich and none of the parties really want to get on their bad side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I know Canadians want to support local producers, and I can imagine that this goes over well with dairy and poultry producers in Canada, how does this impact our trade relationships internationally? It's been a huge issue whenever we've tried to engage in free trade negotiations. So it was an issue uh, with the renegotiation renegotiated NAFTA negotiations. It was an issue with the uh, European Union free trade negotiations, and it was uh, an issue when we negotiated the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Um, So every time Canada offers some concessions, we allow uh, you know, a bit more dairy and a bit more poultry into Canada. And then at the same time, we try to placate our domestic industry. So in the latest mini budget, the government has pledged $1.7 billion over the next few years to go to supply managed industries to compensate them for the loss of market share from the the NAFTA negotiations. And of course, the the Trans-Pacific Partnership has also caused problems with with our trading partners as well. So just for people who are unfamiliar, what is the TPP? So that's the, it's technically the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, which admittedly is a mouthful. This is the Asia-Pacific Free Trade Agreement that we negotiated uh, a few years ago. Um, The original Trans-Pacific Partnership included the U.S. and then uh, the Trump administration backed out of it. And uh, the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement uh, is the latest version of that that free trade agreement with our Asia Pacific partners. In the recent piece you wrote for National Post, you mentioned that one of the biggest opponents is New Zealand. Wait, you know, nice friendly New Zealand way down south there. What what is their argument against our policy? What have we done to upset the New Zealanders so much? So what happened is when we were negotiating the Trans-Pacific Partnership, um, we we made a number of concessions. They were fairly modest, but we said you know, there's a there's a certain amount of cheese and a certain amount of butter and and all these other products that we'll let in per year from foreign countries. What the Canadian government did immediately after was say that the bulk of those would go to food processors, which use them as input. So they may take the raw milk fat and turn it into butter with a Canadian brand on it. But what that effectively does is prevent New Zealand dairy products from getting on Canadian store shelves. So they have cried foul. Um, it does appear as though they've had a, they have a case because of the quotas. If you look at the quotas for how much of each product we can import report from TPP countries every year, a lot of them are either zero or or, or way under what we we're allowed to import. So it, it's having an effect. New Zealand in the spring um, started some actions against Canada, which which went nowhere. Um, so they have now requested a formal panel under the uh, trade agreement, um, which will be set up to adjudicate the dispute. So we have, you know, a maximum quota that we can bring in from other countries under these agreements. And we are just kind of like, okay, they're, they're there, 
but we don't need to bring them in, essentially. Yeah. So, so for example, um, our quota for cheese from TPP countries is 3 million kilograms. Um, so far this year, and, and this year is almost over, we've imported half of that. So not only does it prevent brands from other countries from appearing on store shelves, but it also gives a lot of discretion to the processors because they may have a quota, may not fill it entirely. Um, the federal government has said that they've taken steps to ensure that anybody who has a quota has to fill it. Um, it doesn't seem like that's been working out too well. One of the things you mentioned earlier is the idea that, you know, with competition in some of these other markets that, you know, where we can see cost drivers, you see innovation that can lower the cost of products. And when you look at New Zealand, I, I understand that they've had to go through a lot of innovation in their dairy industry. How does their industry compare to ours? Yeah, they're, uh, they're a unique example because they didn't used to have a supply management system. Um, their neighbors, Australia did. And, and Australia is a good example of a country that was able to get rid of it and prosper. Um, in New Zealand, they did have huge government supports for, uh, for their agricultural industries. And most of them were completely done away with in the 80s. And since then, New Zealand has become an international powerhouse in, in dairy products. It's now the world's eighth, eighth largest dairy producer. Uh, shipping all over the world. Uh, its dairy exports have increased 900% over the past 30 years. Um, so they've managed to do a lot in terms of increasing the size of their industry and exporting to other countries. Now, in Canada, virtually all of the dairy products we produce are consumed domestically. Our industry has no ability to compete internationally. And part of that is because we have high tariff walls in Canada for foreign dairy products and, and our trading partners probably don't particularly want us exporting to them. Um, but it's also because our industry has, as, as we've said, has no incentive to innovate and keep costs down. So we just we can't compete on price when it comes to our international partners. Now, as you mentioned, the current federal government doesn't have, seem to have any interest in addressing this issue or making changes to supply management. So let's just say for some reason that Justin Trudeau calls an election, you know, while we're still in the middle of this uh, inflationary crisis, and Pierre Poilievre's conservatives win government. He's talked about eliminating so-called gatekeepers in various areas of our national fabric. Would we see a change to supply management under his watch? Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it. He he said during the conservative leadership debates that he was not willing to touch supply management. Um, some of the other candidates had talked about it, but, but no, Poilievre has said that he would not, which is unfortunate because it's really, it's low-hanging fruit it would be, you know, it, it would be costly to to get rid of supply management. We'd have to compensate a lot of quota holders, uh, you know, that purchase these hugely expensive quotas. But it would provide long-term benefits for Canadians, and it's 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 a system that doesn't make sense. It never did. Um, you know, if it did make sense, and why don't we have it for you know our cattle industry or any of our other farms or anything else? You, you could make the same case for any other product. The problem is, is that we have this this system that's become highly ingrained in Canada and that all our major political parties have uh, steadfastly protected for decades. And all the while, it's driving up the cost of many food staples for Canadians. Exactly. It's keeping costs high. Always a pleasure to talk, Jesse. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Jesse Klein. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.